Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to episode 102 of Good Humans Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If it's your first time, make sure you go and hit that like or subscribe button. Go check out the other guests. There's 101 other amazing conversations, which you will learn a lot from. So go have a look, find another name you know. If you enjoy it, make sure you share it with a friend. Tell them all about it because, yeah, I love having these conversations and there's so much value in them. So please share them around. A big thank you to our sponsors, Drink A Rapper. They are the brain drink, taking care of our brains. Short-term performance drink and then also a calm and clarity drink. This stuff's been developed by neuroscientists. They've been big supporters of this podcast and I've been drinking the product every single day for the last close to a year and I absolutely love it. I use it instead of a second coffee, far better than an energy drink, all natural. Um, Yeah, it's just amazing. So head over to their website, drinkarepper.com. Good human for 25% off is the code. So use the code good human, 25% off. Or if you're in Woolies or Coles, look for the little glass purple jar, um, glass purple bottle, and that's what Drink Rapper is. Also, please, if you enjoy these podcasts, if you enjoy the work I do in mental health and want to support and want to spread that good human message to your community, you want to spread gratitude, kindness, mindfulness, all of these positive things, head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com. We have some amazing merch. It's just gotten super cold. Our winter stuff is really high quality. If you use the code podcast, you get 25% off. You're going to get your hoodies for about 60 bucks, uh, free delivery as well. So go check it out. I'd love to see you guys rocking it. And yeah, it's a big way to support the work that I do. Okay, today's episode, Blakey Johnson. Wow, this guy is a legend. He just set the world record for the world's longest surf, 40 hours straight. I think he caught 700 waves or something stupid, but I was lucky enough to join him in the surf in the dark for an hour the first morning. Um, But yeah, he's got a really crazy life. I hadn't really learned too much about his story. He's a surf coach from down in Cronulla. He did give it a really good crack as a junior surfer, had great sponsors, had a really similar upbringing and um, competitive career, I guess, as a junior to me, which is really cool to reflect on. He, um, yeah, then bought a surf school in Cronulla, loves giving back to his community, loves raising awareness for a great cause. He um, lost his dad, unfortunately, to suicide. So trigger warning in this episode, there is a few mentions of suicide. Um, but yeah, from there, he used that as inspiration to really take life by the balls and yeah, set this world record. It's crazy, the endurance stuff that he does, but just an amazing, amazing human. Um, if you are struggling from this, podcast make sure you call a lifeline on 13 11 14 but yeah let's jump into this chat blakey johnson absolute legend loved every minute of it welcome to good humans podcast blakey johnson how you going mate good buddy how are you i'm very good it's um nice to have you here in my little studio it's uh the chumpy pool and foundation gala tonight so you're up here on the gold coast and i was like i have to have a chat to you you've done some extraordinary stuff over the last month or so but your whole life is something that really fascinates me so mate maybe to start off Tell the listeners who's Blake Johnson. 
Blakey Johnson is 40 today, 41 today. It's my oh, birthday. Happy birthday, bro. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I used to surf semi-professionally. I did the QS for a couple of years. I guess set professionally. Same as me. And then um, I found my way into surf coaching, running a surf school and coaching some of the best kids in my area and the, and the state. And, um, yeah, evolving into, um, yeah, doing some endurance training and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, it's hard to... It's hard to put it into words. Yeah, yeah there's like, a lot of things there, but, um, yeah. I'm, from the outside looking in, it looks like you're a guy that likes to push the limits, live life to the fullest and, yeah, really try and give back to your community, which is exactly the sort of people that I see as a good human. So that's why yeah. you're here. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to start off with is a question that I open up with everybody. What are you grateful for right now? I am grateful for the people I get to connect with you and my family and the people I see every single day. Um, my community, this, this has been, I've always been grateful for the for what I've had, but just um, yeah, just getting that little bit older and realizing the opportunities that we have around us and the and just that, just how hard you know everyone everyone's you know the people that I'm surrounded by you know I'm proud of everyone that's surrounded by me you know that's where I find my inspiration you know not just the people that do crazy things but the people that you know work hard to be good 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 humans and mm. good parents and business owners and try to make the world a better place. Bloody love that. It's people living with values and like that purpose and actually connect with you is so important it sounds like you've got those people around you which is amazing for sure one thing that i do also start with drink a rapper is our sponsor you said you've listened to some podcasts so you might have heard me talk about these yeah, yeah. have you ever tried it no I haven't. okay great but i like the color yeah so <laughs> like purple polyphenols yeah, yeah. um so it's a new zealand neuroberry black currant um l-theanine and pine bark extract no caffeine or natural, and it's the only clinically studied um, beverage in the Southern Hemisphere for neuroscience, and they've spent like, yes, $5 million on clinical studies, yeah, work wow. with Dementia Australia, short-term brain performance. They basically wanted to shake up the energy drink industry because it's obviously just poison that they're giving us. But yeah, all natural, super healthy, and yeah, good for our long-term brain health too. So Epic crack yeah, it. Crack it, and all a little right. cheers. Oh, and we'll... I've got slippery fingers. Oh, you want to hear? Oh, what a <laughs> <laughs> There we go. I got <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Cheers. Welcome to Thanks, the rep a little zone. Yeah, it's so nice having like it's a juice that's really good for you. It reminds me of like rib Ribena on your grill. That's what everyone says. But Ribena wasn't healthy in this stuff. Mm. Is. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Get the brain fired up. So, Mate, your story is fascinating. You just broke the world record for the world's longest surf. We're going to catch up to that. I was lucky enough to be involved for a short time. It's quite fitting that we talk about it today as well, going to the Chumpy Gala tonight. We can have a bit of a chat about that. But I want to get to know your story first, why you did it why you've um, and what you've experienced through your life. So let's go back to the start. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? What was life like as a kid up into high school? Yeah, I um born and bred Cronulla. I absolutely love the place. Like I feel like it's um it's where I'm meant to be, you know. Um, and even when I used to travel so much, it was just, it was always awesome coming home as well. Love yeah. the the area it is. It's just how all we have there, man. We're surrounded by rivers and pump and reef breaks on their day, and a beach break that's always breaking. It's never mm. amazing, but it's always there. And the community, and there's just so much you can access from this one place close to the airport. And yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, Cronulla's amazing. So what was life like as a kid, family life, stuff that you can kind of remember that might help yeah. shape your story as to why you are? The so I grew, up in a big, I grew up in a big family. Yeah. I got four brothers. 
So there's always a bit of chaos happening. Shout out to Ben. Ben, um, Blakey's brother, Ben's been my accountant since I was like 14. So about 14 years I've been with him. Yeah, wow. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's the best. Um, yeah, he, he's been awesome. And um, yeah, so four, four brothers, a dad who worked his absolute ass off, you know, got a really, you know, we learned a lot of core values through him. Just he wasn't someone that would give you lots and lots of advice, but was just there for you. He was so authentic and and true to his word, and mm. that was something that, you know, I can say proud of myself and my brothers, you know, they're, they're great husbands and they're great. They work really hard at their work and that's, you know, just through the actions Dad took, you know, working so hard to sustain the family, you know. I'm sure it wasn't easy back then. He was mm. a bricklayer and a builder. We lived in Cronulla. Wow. And he'd drive to the North Shore every day. Like, that's torture, man, yeah, every day sitting in that traffic and traffic. getting up early and coming back and, we live close to the beach, you know. At times we moved around a lot because he was uh, like a, a bricklayer and then a builder. Yeah. So mum and dad had a crack at building their own few homes and making money that way. So we moved around quite a bit, never within sort of five minutes from the beach. So Always Cronulla though. Yeah, always close to the beach, you know, like at most of the times within walking distance over the hill. Yeah. And that's probably my fondest memories, you know, just chasing my two older brothers and my dad. My dad actually surfed really good. Sick. Actually one of the first ever state schoolboys that they held. No so way. Cronulla High with Eddie Conlon. So that's that? pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, so he was a good surfer. So not just looking at my brother, my dad could actually surf. And 25 years ago, that was even longer. I'm old as. It's like 34 years ago. That's, wow. That was pretty cool to have a dad that not only surfed, but surfed so really well. well yes, two brothers yeah. that did it. So, yeah, I was addicted to just do, doing what my brothers did from early on, chasing them, and then my dad too, just waiting, waiting there for him to come home from work and, he was as cooked as he could be, just smashing work all day. There was a period where he worked, you know, seven days a week for 10 years, you know, six days a week at the job, and then that Sunday in the evenings on the houses that, that they were doing to try to get the head, you know. So we just saw him never complain and just get on through it and just be this humble, genuine mm. dude that we just, you know, we love. We all just, you know, just wanted to be hang out with him because he was, he, yeah. he was, he was cool as well, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. What? How old were you when you got, had your first surf experience? Oh, I can remember like being about seven and my dad taking my brothers down the coast. My brothers were devoted that I'd had to come along because dad had had to keep an eye on me and they couldn't surf. And this one memory down at Windang, there's this left point down the south coast and they went to surf it and you got to paddle across some deep water to get it's out. like to Green it. Island? It's like Green Island, like that same sort of setup, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's in Windang, so near Shell Harbour. Okay, okay. It's his left point. And then I wanted to go out, but it was like six foot and I didn't know any better. And then Dad had to hang with me on the shore and then my brothers were just fuming that like I couldn't go out there with him as well. And that was just – Dad used to take us down the south coast because he had an affiliation with it back in the day and – I just, you know, I have some, you know, some stories that his friends told me. He was really humble. So a lot of the stories I heard about my dad, even winning the state title stuff, were through people who grew up with him. Never him big noting himself or t- talking it up like that, but yeah, just, yeah. just we heard a lot about him through, you know, how good he, he used to surf and what he, what, what he used to get up to. That's so cool. That's so cool that you bring that up. That's that, my fondest and earliest memories of surfing too are at Manana and Green Island, like getting pushed into waves there. He's like. Probably if I like look back to my first memories of like surfing, it was the same thing going down the south coast. Yeah, yeah, sick. I remember getting like a foamy, this random like cool like foamy when I was about five or six, and I was a surfboard, and we yeah. we, we went to the beach, but the difference really wanting surfing, to be there. Yeah. I was like seven or eight, and yeah. then by eight or nine, Game I over. was waiting for dad every afternoon. He'd come home cooked, and I'd be like, "Let's go, dad, let's go." I wasn't allowed to go till I was about nine <laughs> on my own. My brothers were already over the hill. We lived yeah. close to to Willowhead High and Cronulla High where we went, yeah. and 
yeah, I couldn't carry my own board because I was <laughs> yeah. so little. But um, it had to wait for Dad to do that for me. And then I can vividly remember the day that, that, that Mum goes, he's been waiting for you and Dad was cooked. I can remember. Just let him go. Yeah. What do you reckon, Wayne? That was my dad's name. Um, should he, can he go on his own? And Dad's like, yeah, he can go on his own. I can, I can remember. I just the stoked us I've ever been bored on the head and just bolted over the hill, and that was that was it. I was, you know, I think even Matt Granger, someone who's who I'm friends with, said that I've never he's never seen anyone surf as much as I did from the age of sort of nine to sixteen. He's still to this day. I just. Just loved it and wouldn't get wow. out of the water. And that's a big thing for Matt Granger to say because that guy's more than I've ever Yeah, met. he's a frother. He's the biggest frother yeah, ever. Yeah, he loves it. Mate, well, I love the introduction to surfing. It's great. Let's talk about teenage years now, going through high school, sights set on competing as a, as a surfer probably. When did you first get that taste of competition surfing and getting into, you know what, maybe I can do a career out of this? Yeah, so I got a taste of it. Like the first ever comp was just the local board riders, Lura board riders. Love the local And board just, um, just there was a spot. I was over with my brothers because so they could keep an eye on me down there. And then a spot came up and I surfed against them. I actually beat my oldest brother because it was four ways back then. So it was pretty funny. Just I just went out and got four whitewashed with my little poo man and, um, ended up beating him. He was, he's eight years older than me. He was already sponsored and he was like surfing really good and, you know, just had one of those heats. Yeah, he actually made it to the World Schoolboys one day too. He rode SMP and pot surfboards and a few things like that. And I beat him and I remember um, just couldn't believe that I beat him. And then I saw the look on his face and I ran over the hill home and locked myself in the bathroom <laughs> for the rest of the day. No way. mum was freaking out not knowing where I was and didn't know where I was for like three, four hours later. And then Adam came home fuming and she's like, where's Blake? Because he's home. He's at home. They found me. I was upstairs like <laughs> shitting myself. No That's way. my first competition memory. But um. Yeah, I guess that might have yeah, that, lit the fire and that's so, that's, chased it. You just unlocked the first memory of my surf comments. I like this. You keep like unlocking <laughs> memories of mine. That I remember my first board riders at North Narrabeen board riders. I had to surf in like the 14s, the cadets, and I would have been like 9 or 10. intense then too, man. And I remember I came in and I was just so oblivious to it and I'm pretty sure I dropped in on like every wave on someone. And I, I just remembered this just then because I'd like only ever had one or two interferences in my whole career and I thought I was like actually towards the end I got a few more. But... <laughs> I remember my first ever comp, one of the older boys like, mate, you can't be dropping in on people like that. Like, and I was yeah. like, oh, I didn't even realize. So from then I was so cautious. And in the, in the, up until I was in the QS, not once in the pro junior, in the under 14, 16s, I ever got an interference. I reckon it was, that's and now weird. I remember why. But that sort of sort of shapes the way you are as a competitor as well, yeah, right? I like, that's it's crazy that I remembered yeah. that. That just brought up a memory, but mate. That's cool. So board riders where it starts. What about high school? What yeah. School and then, like and then I did pretty good. Like I was winning the regionals and then I won a couple of state titles and I was actually, Getting paid from the age of 14. Wow. So I was getting paid. And that was, I keep saying, it was 30 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, not quite, 20, 26, 27 years ago, early teens. And so yeah, like late just, 90s. Yeah, late 90s. So getting paid off like Quicksilver and Gorilla Grip and um, Simple Shoes and all these companies that, and I didn't understand it that much at the moment, like quite at the moment. Yeah. I remember the first phone call I got was someone rang me from Gorilla Grip and goes, Oh, we want to put you on a retainer. I'm like, Oh, what's that mean? And I'm like, we want to pay you to use the grip. And I'm like, I'm like, I already use it. It's cool. Like just sort of saying, oh, I love the love the yeah. product already. But um, yeah, so from 14, I got paid wow. money. And then when I'm 15, 16, I was getting paid and taken around the world with Quicksilver and went to Hawaii with Tom Carroll and and was sort of nurtured by Andrew Murphy. Uh-huh. And he was um, an ex-Cronulla surfer. Yeah. He was on the world tour for a year or two. 
and he worked for Quicksilver. He's one of the main guys at Quicksilver and looked after the team and stuff back then too. So I had a really good relationship with him. He's someone I'd always looked up to and kind of took me under his wing and gave me a lot of opportunities. Nice. And, yeah, I wasn't at school much. I was at, you know, I so was traveling missed stuff, a lot. Yeah, I missed. I was still there and I was still passing. Yeah. I missed, I think it was term, like I think it was 80 days or 76 days I missed in year 10. Wow. I was doing it, but I was traveling a lot then and still passed. But, um. Yeah, and then year 11, I, I changed responses from Quicksilver to Rusty. Yeah. And that was a kind of a big deal at the moment because I had such a good relationship with Murph and that was a big part of it. The deals were similar, but riding for Rusty, I was going to be more their main junior as opposed to back then. Mick was still just with Quicksilver about to move the Rip yeah. Girl, but so I made, I made a good decision. My brother Ben, even back then, was helping me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I signed with Rusty. And then, um, yeah, I... Was it a good change? It was a good change, but it's something that stands out because the, the day that I, the same week that I signed with Rusty and changed sponsors, I landed in Perth and just met the team manager, a lovely bloke, Damo, he's a legend. And um, he just goes, oh, have you heard about Murph? And Murph had taken his own life. So that was pretty rattling. That was Man, something that still kind of, I'm shaking now thinking yeah, about yeah, it. Wow. You know, I'd been 16 and already having that little bit of guilt going, I wonder if I if I stayed going, with Quickie, yeah, wonder if wow. if I if I upset him like mm. did I did I having that little bit so I never really processed that until years and years later when one of my older brothers Adam said oh, you've been around it for a long time you know people that you've cared about I was like oh you know fuck mm. it it's true you know like I've always been someone who's emotionally connected and empathetic and compassionate towards people you know it's not something like I've discovered as I've learned to like myself more yeah. it's been something that, you know, that it's hard to, when you're a little kid and you're feeling things and, and you have a lot of empathy, it's it's hard to, yeah, to sort of navigate it a little bit. It's hard you know? to, like, yeah, have that emotional intelligence to be able to deal with those yeah. emotions because we don't get taught that stuff when we're young at school. Yeah. There's so many of us that feel a lot yeah. but then don't get, t- like, told what we're feeling and how yeah. to, like, navigate that. It's, it's interesting you brought that up. Man, we have so many similarities in our story. Yeah. It's crazy because I started getting, like, paid at, like, 14 15 and I was with Rip Curl and then when I was 16 I changed to Hurley and that was like a big change yeah. in my career yeah, as yeah. well like I'm just, I'm just seeing so many like similarities yeah that's cool eh? um so what was both that? from core surf towns too you yeah, know what I mean yeah, where there is that Cronulla, like that hierarchy there is that you know that toughness to it as well mm. and I think that's what you know I'm, I'm tough but I'm also it's it's hopefully I'm proving that you can be tough and and vulnerable at the same yeah, time absolutely. you know and I think that just that's been tough, you know, put yourself yeah. out of being who you are and showing that it's okay to struggle and mm. that's what led me sort of down this path. I think it makes perfect sense to why I challenge myself like I do. And Yeah, to show what things. the mind is capable yeah. of because you obviously see the extremes on the mental illness side as well, which we'll continue to talk through your story, but yeah. showing that our mind is capable of so much to overcome yeah. not only the physical challenge but those mental challenges that come up from the physical challenge, totally. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like mate. that kind of... It is the sharpens best, the iron. It's the best for, training, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So after your old team manager passed away, junior series on yeah, junior series. I did pretty good on there. Team, Me, yeah. Ace, Micro, Bots. These guys that I'd I'd met younger. I've got a, still got a really good relationship with all these guys. Yeah. We've become we've been friends for nearly thirty years. Yeah, yeah wow. meeting at the Grom Comps. Yeah. Um, travelled with them. Um, and then, and then transitioned into the QS. So I did pretty good as a junior. I was getting a lot. It's like I was saying, I was getting paid well. So I was yeah. doing the pro juniors, still doing four or five surf trips a year yeah, and getting yeah. the editorial and the photos. For all my sponsors would use me in advertising. Yeah. 
and it was good. It was good for my name and all that. But at the same time, I was I'd done well so young that I I didn't have enough foresight. Like if I look back now, it's like I was sort of protecting what I had. I'd always been, you know, someone who was gonna potentially be get on the world tour and do this and have the name around it. And all the guys like Flynn off and Micro and Ace and that they 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 had that to aspire to. So it was always mm. good for them to look. I want to get what he's getting. So you were the- and that sort of helped them. Right. And when we got to about 16, 17, I sort of had the easiest way to put it is a bit of a fixed mindset. Mm. You know, I was sort of protecting what I had and making sure that I was keeping everyone happy again, being emotionally yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and then so I sort of dispersed myself a bit, did half the QS, half the photos, and then the guys that knew what was going on, they had that growth mindset that we go, all right, I want to be here in five years' time. Yeah. We're making that progress forward. And that's so important in all parts of our lives, right? But just having that next little goal, they're ticking off and, Flint was doing QSs when he was 15 in Europe, you know, going over and we're like, why is he doing QSs so early? By the time I started him, he was four rounds ahead of me. I had to say yeah. four or five heats to even make money and he's starting there. Yeah. So, like, they just understood that's something to aspire to each time. And it's so really interesting. We have, like, so. such similar careers. Like, I'm just, like, yeah. listening to it, like, just thinking, like, I feel so similar. I had pretty successful junior career and finally – got to the QS and got to like the challenge or like the prime or whatever it would have been back then, like into the main rounds for you guys. And I feel, and I feel like you're going to probably say you're late. It's like, you kind of felt like it was going to be as easy as a junior. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just go for the next sure. step. I'll qualify. For I'll sure. get my time on tour. Yeah. And then you kind of hit that QS level and you're like, Whoa, there's like a lot of good surfers out here in the world. And it takes like, yeah. yeah. And you, you don't learn and you, you know, I've, it's crazy. Eh? It's like, it's an advantage to not be the best guy when you're younger. Yeah. I, I, Look, Connor. Definitely. Connor's a perfect example. Connor's like, the Connor perfect was, example. That's a ex- perfect example. And Connor will probably listen to this, so and he'll agree with me. Through the juniors, Connor was kind of always just like knocking on the door but didn't quite have the results that he wanted. But then it like hit the QS and it just like knew so like changed yeah. and was just so well, dumb. Connor's unique in the sense that like – He just keeps getting better. He keeps getting better even yeah. now. And that's because he, he loves – like seeing that little bit of progress, you mm. know what I mean? He's not the most intense character I've ever met in terms of his competitiveness or anything, but he loves surfing and loves seeing that little bit of self-improvement mm. and it's never stopped from yeah. perching him from when he was like 12. We spent we spend a lot of time together. Sick. He's, you know, I look at him like a little brother almost, yeah, he's a even though he's three foot tall. Yeah, we saw him last night. He look, good, couldn't yeah. look more apart, but we yeah. Are, he's, yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for seeing him and that's cool to say someone so much younger than me too. Yeah, so. he's a bloody legend. So, so let's talk about now your 20s once you got onto the QS, what was going on in life, what were some of the, yeah, I guess challenges that you found once moving on to that next stage and travelling the world in your early 20s? Yeah, it was, it was at that point where, um, where I was starting to do the QS, move out of the pro juniors. Back then you could surf until you were 19 or 20, yeah. so... I was doing the QS and I was I was getting through heats, but I was getting through like three or four heats, which wasn't good enough. You know, I needed to be making it through seven, eight heats of contest. That's yeah. a lot of competing you're doing back then mm. and a lot of traveling. And I look back now and I wish I had made more of the time outside of those events, but it was a pretty jam-packed schedule. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot a lot of money in the QS back then. Yeah, Some guys were doing like 20 events a year, 23 yeah. events a year and stuff. But and the prize money was pretty good too. Eh? It was like, all right. yeah, and you pay your cash US dollars, yeah. so you just skip sharp. Like yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah, and then as as, a, as my – as I was progressing and getting through, my ranking was getting slowly and slowly, but money dries up pretty quickly. You know, I was mm. 20 years old and, all right, now so it's time to focus on the QS. I'll do more – yeah, the sponsorship was slowed down a bit. And um, 
it was just going to take a bit longer than I thought, you know, like I was slowly improving my ranking and everything, but then the money was backing off and I was like, oh, am I on the right, am I on my, am I where I want to be right now? And I kind of started working a little bit at Triple Bull, did a couple of days with my dad, but I hated that. Yeah. You know, I just I knew how hard he worked and I wanted to be around the ocean in some some form or another. And then so Dog Marsh said, just work for me a couple of days when you're home or flexible, just like the coolest yeah, yeah. opportunity like ever. He's like, you just work when you want, go surfing. But, you know, when you hear your work and um, he taught me some really good things and I have a good relationship with Dog since I was a micro-grom. He's yeah, a bit he's of a, a icon. And, um, yeah, I just worked with him a day or two a week. He let me surf. It was pumping. Um, I wasn't home that often. But then about that time, I – I saw the surf school just plotting alongside that. And I'm like, oh, I want to buy the surf school. Is that, take it easy. Just go do the rest of the QS this year. Travel with my then girlfriend, Lauren, who's now my wife. Amazing. And um, went and did three months in Europe in the comps. And sort of just at that point, knew it was my last year. I wasn't that into it. I was more excited to be traveling and looking forward to going to Poland and and Austria and doing all these things afterwards. So it wasn't like a farewell well, to it. But what, it was how like old were you here? 21 or 22. Oh, so you gave yeah. a pretty kind of changed your mind on it pretty early yeah i did yeah that's so yeah for sure to, to but act- mainly because like at that time i had that, that thought of the surf school in my head going, oh that's pretty sick because well, it seems like there's obviously was a love for competing but it seems like even from a young age with the amount of time you spend in the water it's more about the love of the ocean and the connection with people in the ocean that seems more important to you than the competition yeah. almost yeah for sure and i didn't realize that till later on you yeah. know what i mean that's what i I still love now about it, about the whole thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Be out there on anything and the way that it brings people together and through the surf school. Like, yeah, so then um, I just. So you did that last three, yeah, three did months. That's it's so funny months. you say that as well. One more similarity. I did my last round the world trip for the QS knowing that it was going to be my last and I met my beautiful partner in Portugal on the last Sick. trip, and now she's here permanently. <laughs> I brought okay. her home with me. There you go. So once again, we have another Sick. similarity. Well, this is, mate, this is part of what I've learned more than ever and just about, uh, just the message, you're exactly where you're meant to be. You know mm. what I mean? Every part of your life, like it's, it's a hard thing to grasp when you're struggling and you're battling and nothing seems to be going your way, but, but I truly believe that more than anything. That's what any of the challenges I've done have taught me. It's you get through it and if you're not seeing progress, you're not looking in the right places, you know, and that takes a bit of more self-awareness when you're feeling good too. You know, most mm. people look for it when they're not feeling good but to maintain it and yeah. and see how we can do that better when we're feeling good is a, is the big ticket to yeah. maintaining it. I think it's so important to have those things to lean back on when times do get tough. Go, okay, am I doing those bare minimums that I know make me feel good and my exercise, yeah, my it. eating right and my sleeping right? Like, and that's just self-awareness, lose, right? Exactly, and that's what all that. these practical tools that we do, like breath work and meditation. That's yeah. it. It's very simple and that's that's the thing with me. I don't, it doesn't need to be too woo-woo or scientific. It's practical. Like, mm. And you feel it when you when you immerse yourself in these actions and they're, they're, they're so accessible. Yeah. So let's talk about 21, finishing, kind of competing. What's the progress into behind the surf school? Yeah, so I think I'd already done a couple of lessons or something and maybe I, I think I bought half the surf school and then when I came really? back from that, that trip, young, just- yeah, and then he, but I paid it off. So I was like working lessons and he's just helped me out a lot. You know? I was working lessons to pay off the 15 or 20 grand, whatever it was to buy in half the surf school. Yeah. Did the trip, travel to Europe, came back and smashed out that summer and the surf school just went from, you know, 500 people a year to, you know, 5,000 people wow. a year. So just by energy. doing that, so I just bought the energy and and 
Just the froth. brought the kids in. Yeah. You know, so I did. I'm like, oh, we've got to get the kids down here and Sick. and get it in there. So we just it did really good that year. And then dog moved to France and I for a year and then was killing it because I was working hard and making money. Yeah, and, yeah, sick. And like he gave the opportunity, he totally deserved it. And then he came back and I bought the rest of the circle off him. So it would have been about also dog owned the circle and you bought it off dog. Yeah. Oh sick. Yeah. That's such a cool story. Yeah. So yeah. And then he went over with his over partner the- in Portugal, yeah? No, in no, France. France. Yeah. yeah. I went to his place. I stayed at his place for yeah. a night. I think it's Anglet. Yeah, there. we went to the Bayon Pig Festival, me oh, and sick. Connor. And um, were you there? No. You weren't there. Um, who else was there? Me, Connor, Wade, one of the, like, the Frenchy competitors. And we ended up having like a loose night out there and then stayed at Dogs. It's funny. Yeah, he's such a legend. He loves it and his too. Family he, loves so lovely. he loves going. Yeah, he yeah, loves had, a good night. Yeah, it was fun. We went out with his daughters. It was so fun. We just had like Sick. the funniest night out. So good. Yeah, so owning the surf school, early, mid-20s. Like, it's yeah, mid-20s. Big yeah, time to be owning then. a business and yeah. running a business. It's felt right though. I never felt like a huge challenge, but, you know, I've got, luckily I've got my brother Ben who's yeah, helped guiding me. And it was risky though, you know. You know, 50 grand for a 24-year-old that's, recently engaged and you know looking at a, his future without mm. any formal education and just you know just believing in yeah, what, yeah. what it was vision, you know yeah. not so much myself but believing in what it was and then seeing it was more than just getting paid at the end of the week i was making people stoked and it yeah. was and uh, that that's can't put a dollar on that you know so you've had that surf school for like 15 years now yeah, 16 years. 17 years now so i'm 41 today so yeah about Amazing. All right, let's fast forward to your 30s. I know something happened that was pretty monumental in your life that changed. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but yeah, sure. Yeah, let's talk about your 30s. What were the challenges through there? Yeah, so the challenges were, you know, the surf school going pretty good, progressing to a level where I could, it's my full time job, yeah. not working anywhere else. That took a good time. Like it took a good five years to not have to work with my brothers on days off or oh, wow. so you do that like. Man. Yeah, because I've only worked at Manly Surf School and seen like they run like a well oiled machine. Like, yeah. So well, you would just like a couple of lessons in the Arvo, a couple in the morning. Oh, and- it's still going pretty good, but just to be able to to keep the growth going, yeah. you know, like to to get the big schools through to employ yeah. people, give them my work so that yeah. I actually had the staff there when I needed yeah. them. Yeah. So I'd go and work with my brothers who own a scaffolding business, my two younger brothers. Sick. So I'd go and work on the tools with them. Um, I'm not that good at it, but I talk too much, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they're legends. They work so hard, um, Sam and Dan, and then, and then go do lessons the afternoon in the morning, days off whenever I want. It just was perfect. You know what I mean? Like it just, they let me help grow my business and, yeah. and working with them, carrying steel made me want to fucking do it as much as possible. Yeah. And, um, that, that was yeah, really good. So through there, I met my wife, married Mount Lauren, where I got married when we were 20, I was 24, 25 when I married my wife. So no, that was pretty young. She was 23 or something. So um, did that. And then, yeah, we had Bobby when I was 29, my Sick. first kid, and then uh, which was awesome. And it's those, you know, around that time, it, they're, they're big transitions, you yeah, know, yeah. going from this guy who runs his own show really, like running the business, working yeah. elsewhere I want, surfing when I want. Just I, I say sometimes now, like, I'm totally unemployable. I've just got this, like. <laughs> Zest for life yeah. is what I think and it I'm, is. I'm just been working for myself for so long. It's always been reactive to, you know, being young and mm. I've had a pretty good man, like in terms of flexibility. Yeah. And being able to react and But do you what create you those opportunities for yourself. That's something that you know that's the sort of life that you want to live and that you want to operate. Like it's not lucky. It's like you're yeah, for sure. working towards to be able to get that. Yeah, definitely. And it's like and I love your story that you I mean, I love that you gave up surfing early just because you found something that 
matter just as much here. Once again, similarity. So that's how I feel with the good human factor. I probably could have chased it another few years, but I feel like I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. Yeah. And it's such a good feeling. Yeah. So let's talk about, yeah, into your 30s, young dad. Yeah. Business running. Young dad, new sick unit we bought at Cronulla and renovated. My dad actually renovated and everything. And, um, yeah, there are struggles there where you where you've got to you're thinking about the future now and thinking oh, I've got more that's more than just about me. I've got a wife that works really hard in she worked for a commercial furniture company doing marketing and she worked a lot and I was trying to make this business even better and trying. I always thought oh, I'd love to be able to let her spend more time with the kids yeah. when we do have kids and make the business bigger and stuff as well. So I was putting pressure on myself that yeah. wasn't like that. But and then being the young dad and there's expectations and. That you put on yourselves and not coming from anyone else, just internally, yeah. and that gets pretty stressful, you know, mm. like when you just roommate on those things. And then financially, it, it's pretty hard when you've got one one income, big mortgage, yeah. your own business that's seasonal. You know, East Coast of Australia is not the most ideal place to run a, a business winter, yeah. based on nature. Like you've yeah. got to be reactive, and I think that's why I'm good at it. Why mm. Matt Grange is good at it. Like you you've got to react. You've got yeah. to know that you're maybe not working for three weeks. Yeah. You know, like last year in La Nina was the hardest, most stressed I've nearly ever been. Really? Work-related just because I was like, wow, this is this is heavy, you know. I can't control it. And it was just like I learned so much through that yeah. experience because I'm confident with the surf sky. I know how everything's worked. But when it was just this huge bout of time where the weather and the waves and it was just Undoable, way yeah. worse than COVID for the business, like just – COVID wow. was manageable, you know. Everyone was in the same boat, but when it yeah. comes down to the uncontrollables of nature and you're dealing with, mm. it was just a, it was a big shock, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so having Bobby, Bobby was like probably about one and a half, and then, yeah, I was actually doing a surf camp down the south coast. I took I take adults down the south coast for escapes. Yeah. People that come through the surf school, we do like little surf retreats down there, which are nice. now sort of turning into these surf wellness retreats, which sick. is sick. Yeah, I know. We, we got, love we, doing We're going to do, I'm going to come down yeah. and do one with you and we're going to do our um, Groms thing. Oh, soon. I love them, man. They're, Can't wait. They're so sick. Doing one of them and then, um, yeah, I got a phone call from my sister-in-law and was in a car with a few of the people and my wife, Lauren, and they told me, they just kept saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. And um, I couldn't figure. I just had this most high-level anxiety, stress, like my body was vibrating at the mass and I knew something was up. Mm. I just could only think of mum and dad and the bad reception coming up and I was just, I, I, it was just most horrible feeling for the next, that hour until we got reception back up the top of Mount Newsley oh. was, was, was crap because I just knew something wasn't right. And then, yeah, I spoke to her and she said, that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, your dad's not here anymore. And that was, um, yeah, that was the news that my, um, my awesome dad had, had actually, uh, yeah, he took his own life. Fuck, man. It's, it's just like so like so sorry that you've had to go through that and as well with your manager, like mental illness and like suicide is just obviously super important to me and the work that I do. It's so important that we do, I think, have these conversations and show the impact it has on people. But as well, the work that you're doing now as well to bring awareness to it, to raise money and show that this is something that we, yeah, just need to sh- I mean, I don't know the solution. It's like, how do we better support people? And I think it comes from these conversations, these awarenesses it, it, we try and. It's yeah. not a quick fix. It's not that. Like, I learned so much now knowing how much I want to help people mm. and looking at, back at what things lifestyle wise and looking after yourself that my dad could have done mm. as well that would have improved his, his well being. And yeah, because you like talk about obviously yeah. people listen to the beginning of this podcast back now and 
understand the life that your dad worked so hard to give you guys but then so uh, selfless was, man. yeah was there and, any signs or anything or was it just he had terrible sleep apnea oh, you know okay. which is a part of him overworking being overtired you know he yeah. he actually had a test this is cool to know he had a test a sleeping test overnight hospital about a year before he passed away and he stopped breathing 150 times wow in one night so he would stop breathing and wake himself up and Go back to sleep. So he wasn't getting any rest, man. And sixty year old man working five, six days a week, you know, trying to steal like, yeah. you know. Like, Those baseline things like sleep, nutrition, exercise. So like yeah. One of them is that out of whack. It's just And it's also like other lessons from that. Now just the community, like he worked so hard he didn't have the energy to go out with a bunch of mates and have that external sort of connection and mm. feel a part of something bigger. He had a family that fucking adored him. Yeah. You know, and more than I think I just love it. You know, all these kids wanted to hang out with him, not just because he was their dad. He wasn't the dad that would give yeah, them advice he's a and surfer, he's tell you this. Yeah. He was, he was, you know, he it was just cool to be around. Just, just, you know, just his humbleness and everything mm. as well. It was just great to be around someone like that and how hard he worked and still be authentic to who he was. And he just he was just too selfless. You know, obviously so selfless. He didn't think about himself enough, which is the saddest thing to think of someone who's. So fucking loved, mm. can think that little of themselves. It's heartbreaking, man. It's yeah. Everyone, and it's, it's. I feel like a freaking self help book, but I've said it. I talk about the world record, but um, like everyone deserves to feel awesome, you know. And that's something that I just naturally came out of me when I was doing the world record. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember a lot of the interviews because I was so fucking cooked. <laughs> and I went back and looked at them with Lauren. The couple of days later, I was like, fuck. I said exactly everything that I would have even scripted. I would have written. Yeah, that's just was heart. like, it's your, man, it's it was complete, truth. complete connection with what I was saying. Man, so. you can hear it in your voice, like how important this sort of stuff is for you. And yeah, I cannot, can't imagine how hard that time would have been for you and your family to to grieve through that period with something that's someone who's obviously such a close friend and dad to yeah. all you guys. He's a mate, like, a, yeah. like, like just a proper mate, you know, mm. like you'd want to hang out with him. And that's why I think. And we loved him, and I'm so proud of all my brothers. They're, so ama- they're, they're amazing. They're, they're, they've all dealt with it differently. Some of them aren't as close as they were before it, and I still love all of them with all my heart, but we're all different. We all take, you know, deal with things differently, and I'm proud of how hard they all work, yeah. how the husbands and fathers they are to their kids, and that's that's a testament to my dad and how he treated my mom and how hard he worked. And, man, you can't put value on that. Like, right. It's just something that. It's a legacy, and, and that's the true meaning of it. For sure. Mate, and I'm sure from knowing yourself and Ben obviously very well as well, like your dad would be so proud of you guys, like what you guys do, like what, what Ben does behind the scenes for everyone, what you do behind the scenes. Like that's what, what people don't see is like and don't get recognition for. That's like what a true good human is, and I'm sure your dad, yeah, and hopefully – he can look down now on you guys and be proud of himself, like That's you said, it, that he's been That's able to all ever guide want. you guys to be the sort of men you are because, yeah, you're top blokes. It's amazing to yeah. see what you guys have achieved. And, yeah, let's speak about this world record now. When did the idea come about? Oh. And, yeah, what was the inception of the idea? And then we'll, um, we'll, we'll go through the stage. I want to get into this for a bit. So, yeah, okay. So this so it came about um, – so this is 10 years since my dad took his own life. Yeah. And I was always, I've been, I had to make a few lifestyle changes, sort of. Let's yeah, rewind can, real quickly before we go to the world record surf. There's something else that you do that's really cool. You go, you've run marathons barefoot. 
yeah, you've done these big physical challenges because this will probably lead into the world record yeah. surf a bit, the fact yeah. that you've really liked to push yourself. So where did pushing the limits physically and running marathons, no shoes, come from? Yeah, well, oh, it's pretty it's a cool little story. But um, the best way to describe it is a few years ago, I mean, my kids were looking at Instagram in bed before going to bed. We love looking back when they were kids and they have a giggle and stuff. And then we started looking at through it the years and it would be like they started going, fat dad, skinny dad, fat dad, skinny dad. And it would be in summer when I'm fucking hectic, busy and flat out at the surf school and you'd think, oh, you get fit then. I wasn't looking after myself. I wasn't training as much, didn't have the time. I wasn't um, eating well. I'd just be consumed in the in the business and being there for my family when I finished work So because they were young at that stage. And, um, yeah, so it was like in summer I was, I was – but in winter when the surf school get quiet, we'd do some retreats in Bali and Indo and um, Fiji. I'd have the time to spend going and running on the treadmill. And I'd go and run on the treadmill because I could get it done quickly and wouldn't be away from the kids when they were young. You know, the clients we had surfing with us. So in, in winter, I'd get real fit, start eating healthy because it's accessible over there and have that extra time to look after myself. So it was this fluctuation in sort of my fitness that, that we noticed. And um, yeah, then one time we, I, I, um, I did one of those fight clubs where you sign up for three months and then you have an amateur fight at the end no, of it. No, my roommate's got a fight tonight. Sick. He just did that. He's like, yeah, he's got his first. Um, uh, or Muay Thai fight tonight at like the exhibition thing. Yeah, Sick. That's epic. So, yeah. I, yeah, I did one of them and then I'll, I just love that physical challenge of, of um, I've always loved big waves and that pushing yourself yeah, in that aspect. Yeah, zone a bit. Yeah, definitely. I've always loved that. Never shying away from that. And um, I did that, really enjoyed it. And then and then we came back from a retreat in, ba- uh, retreat in Bali and Lauren did a, just supporting Lauren doing a diet and I'd been running that winter. So just doing changing my diet slightly after training and already being fit, my body started to feel better. So I just continued to run and I wasn't as sore as what I was just by changing. We took sugar out for two weeks and my body instantly, within five or ten days, I was like, wow, man, I'm running every single day. Not many people do that. Mm. And I f- could feel that just less inflammation felt good. Right. And then so I was just I kept challenging myself to go further through it and then took out bread which was super hard and then took out dairy and then took out and just for the challenge thought i'll talk take out meat so then i ended up being a vegan for five years but through that process just of running a lot more five years yeah. running a lot more signed up for the next fight club because i was just feeling so good i'll go again did another fight did club fight the first time pardon did you win them both i um i won the first one and it was a Close decision, the second one. Got ripped off. No, <laughs> nah, there was a sick battle. The second Jeez, one was epic. Really but funny. it was at the Sharkies Leagues Club and all my mates were there. It was it was a sick night. Oh, I, I, I gave it my all, so can't just oh, short. Yeah. Fight of the night, but Fuck yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm not much of a fighter. Uh, but, yeah, did that and then and then was running a lot for that training and I just lo- fell in love just kept that, going right? and then just signed up for the local um, Sutherland to surf and the city to surf and the city marathon. Signed up for them, then went to Bali again that next year from the retreats and cut my foot surfing um, Desert Point. Got flogged on a wave and just, you know, down the end, how shallow it is down there. I've never been there, but I've seen never it. Never been there? I've never been there. Oh, shit. One day. You will. You love it. Um, and then cut my foot wide open and then it was pretty bad though. You know how they go into the volcanoes and mm. it's just, they never seem Volcanic to heal. Rock, yeah, yeah. But right there, you can see on the heel is where it pokes out a bit more. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just scar tissue. Went back to Bali and went, oh, sweet, I'll just put my shoes on and run on the treadmills because I'm not going to run with the Bali dogs out at night, yeah, four yeah. in the morning. And then, yeah, I just kept running barefoot, got home, went to put shoes on again. It was the middle of winter 
and it just bled out all through my shoe, just crook. I'm like, I'll go barefoot. It wasn't going to stop. It was nearly at the point at the beginning of those races and just went barefoot and just battled through the agony of bare feet for, through that winter, end up doing all three of them races barefoot. barefoot. Then my first marathon I did, yeah, barefoot, no water, no food, no supplements, just did it full bareback to see, test myself. and How's your go? Did you yeah, that? I, I did, did like three hour mark and be. I did three hours forty minutes. Yeah, that's very I could do, Yeah, I just yeah, I just test. Didn't want How's to your body once you hit that like thirty k mark without? I've got this thing like thirty three k's when I'm when I'm doing that way when I'm trying to go as raw as I can yeah. and do that. Thirty three k's is just like it's like the second I hit that, it's just like the body just goes nah. It's, it's like it stops running. It's That's how I felt. Like I'm going for the sickest time, and then I'm like, oh, 33 k's is here. I've only done about five or six marathons with completely nothing. Just only. To, like, <laughs> bloody epic. But, but that's a part of me getting better too, you know, starting to look after myself more in that regard so mm. I can do these adventures and I can do this stuff and and still surf. And I did start this stuff so I could feel good and surf better. Yeah. And continue to, like, be out in the ocean as much as possible. But I can run in the morning. You know, I'll get up at four every morning. And I run every morning. I don't. No one needs me then. I don't. My wife, my kids don't need me. Business doesn't need me. That's I'm out time. alone, running the Esplanade or the beach or something like that. And it's it's sort of my time. And as a busy dad and business owner, that's the kind of things you got to do if you actually want to keep improving. You know, mm. find that time. And we're all going to be tired. Everyone goes, "Oh, you tired all the time." Like, we're tired anyway. Like, yeah. you're, you're stressed at work, or you're you've got kids of your own, or you're you do another activities through the day. Yourself, they're a little bit more yeah. tired, and you're going to get that. That big difference in yeah, yeah, and it creates energy. Like going for runs, I need to go for more runs. But the endurance that it takes to do marathons is massive. But the world record you set, I guess, about a month ago now, from while yeah. we're speaking, was something that obviously has never been done. Forty hours straight in the surf. Where did the idea come? You said obviously the ten year reunion of your dad yeah. um, passing. Yeah. So where did the idea come? You raised money for the Chumpy Foundation, which is a gala we're going to tonight. It's obviously an important um, guy in my life, in yours, in Ben's, in our community's life. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about yeah. where the idea came, why the Chumpy Foundation, and yeah. Yeah, so after that Barefoot Marathon, I started just this question of what's possible. I kept mm. feeling better through the changes I'd made and pushing myself to those extremes for me, and I just thought, oh, I'm going to run 100Ks next. So then I did a couple 100K runs and a couple and barefoot? ended up – I'd done one barefoot, yeah, wow. where I can, and then um, – yeah, did a hundred miles. Did a hundred miles wow. on my own through the national park, and so Just pretty so raw. Like everything's pretty raw. That's like, wild. Put a backpack at Bendalong and run from Berry to Ulladulla and <laughs> get there. Like obviously got my gar- yeah. my Garmin on and shit, yeah, but yeah. just sort of doing it pretty raw. Doing it just, for yourself. Yeah, sick. doing it for myself, and you know, no music, just doing just it. You and, and your thoughts. Yeah, that's it, man. Like. I know Goggins is cheesy and people write him off, but that's one awesome takeaway I, I got love from him. him. He's, He's like. Yeah, the music isn't going to help me there when 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 real life situations come. I'm like, fuck, that is so good. I love music. Fucking one of my favorite things in the yeah. universe. And it's a reward for me now. Like, I'll make sure there's music at the end of a run. I'll play like NWA and 100 miles of running when I start just to be psyched up. And it's a long day, it's a long couple of days if I'm doing 100 miles or whatever wow. to get to the end. And it's one of the things that helps me, you know. Yeah, wow. that at the end. So. Yeah, so I did did a couple of those big challenges, and they're brutal, man. They're, they're, I'm a surfer. I'm not a runner, and I and you know I don't train as to a full routine or anything. Yeah. It's raw, pretty raw. Yeah, I'm, I'm adjusting. I've got great people around me that are helping me, and 
oh, that leads to the world record. I, I wouldn't have been able to do the world record without the support of my friends and and going to see a dietitian and going to do all this. I would have definitely underestimated if I didn't take those precautions mm. for sure. But, yeah, that's how we got to it. And then I, I did a um, – it was a corporate day when Urban Surf first opened. There was this thing called the Barefoot Investors Corporate Day. And one of my coach's wife's a mortgage broker. She got tickets to it. She's like, there's no way I'm going. I said to her husband, oh, do you and Blake want to go? I'm like, hell yeah, it's a thousand bucks a ticket. I was like, oh, yeah, sick, I'll go. I want to experience it, right? Being a surf coach and yeah, I had that affiliation with it. How good would it be for yeah. training? And so I went down and surfed a sick experience. After two, three hours, all the old boys were like just cooked. Like you get you get pretty cooked yeah, after yeah, an hour. Or two. I went down there the other day. Yeah. And so all the old boys were cooked. We had the whole pool rotating. And then by the third hour, I went in and grabbed a bit of food and went and, and like there's three guys on each side or seven guys on the right, two on the left. So I was like, can I stay out? They're like, yeah, you can stay out. So good. Everyone's coming in. So I end up doing seven hours and catching a hundred waves. And by what? the pull up the fourth or fifth hour, I'm like, if I get two waves a set, I'm gonna get a hundred waves. So that was my goal at the end. <laughs> I just was like, got two waves a set for the last three sessions, and I got me to a hundred waves that day. Oh, wow. And then that was where the idea was planted. Like I'd just done a 40-hour run, and then I and then I looked back at that experience down there. I'm like, oh, if I can run for 40 hours. Surely in my natural environment where I feel super comfortable. Yeah, you do feel I, I could do 40 in the water and that was a bit of arrogance, but you need arrogance when you, I think well, a to bit. To do something that's never been done, you have to. Yeah, and, and just those runs as well, you know, like I don't train like a like a yeah. triathlete or anything yeah. or an Ironman. I, I do really raw and, um, yeah, that, that that was where it came from. That I just Googled it on the way home because we well, went down yeah, for the one day. The and, I was like, and then I went down in between that, that session. I've been there two or three times with the family and I'm kind of thinking about it in the back of my mind. And yeah, just mentioned it to my brother Ben because I was going to do a run. I wanted to do a run from Corumban to Cronulla because it just sounded good and stop in and do do 50Ks a day, stop in and see like Dingo and yeah. Connor and catch up with all the guys I used to surf with to have that sense of community. Yeah, yeah that really Have cool. it about being in the environment, surfing, being out in nature and then, you know, stop in at some schools and do some yeah, workshops yeah. along the way, like breath work and ice baths and Sick. just continue it on and carry the message down the coast. And then that was an idea and I was – Set on doing it, and then I said, "Oh, this world record thing!" And it's, I wanted to surf it, and Ben's like, "We'll support you if you want to do it." And I'm like, "Yeah, but it, I want it to, I want it to go to a cause that's more than another conversation." Yeah, yeah. You know, it needs that's what's been really important about me the whole time. Like, society's done a good job of raising awareness for mental health and doing it, but what are some things that we can all know about and do and implement and take action immediately that are free, deliberate, and Effective, well, you're like, provenly effective. The, like, uh, no, it's all there. The tagline for the Gujima Factory is connecting curious minds with simple mental health strategies. That's it. They don't have to be buddy extravagant seeing psychologists. Yeah. It's just like, what can we do for ourselves? Yeah. What little things do you do each day? Meditation, gratitude, kindness, yeah. mindfulness, exercise, ice baths, breath work. There's all these modalities out yeah. there and they don't cost anything. So that's why we're not getting marketed them and thrown down our face. You need this. Yeah. It's like, and the yeah. community part of it's so important mm. just because that, you know, the accountability to it, the authenticity yeah. of these things and being true to what you say and what you're doing yourself. That's something that I'm massive of. Yeah. Again, I mentioned it before. It's what I've taken from my dad and yeah, yeah. Well, how he's on, but just doing what you say you're going to do. You know Integrity. what I mean? If you are going to look after yourself, really, really take that on board. It's the most important thing to be doing when you're looking after yourself and you feel good. That's, mm. that's the vibration that the world needs and we all, what becomes yeah. a better place just by 
being proud of ourselves and, and seeking that little bit of progress yeah. in, in ourselves yeah, and things. whatever. You want to grow through on. life, not go through life. Man, like, always grow life can get better. If look you continue at, to look grow. at yourself too when you didn't feel any progress. They were the parts of your life that where you weren't sure even the littlest of things mm. didn't feel that rewarding at those yeah. points, you know, and can be this it doesn't have to be forty hour session yeah. or a hundred mile run. Like that's what I like to do. And it's yeah. not you know, it's people say, Oh, you've lost it. I'm like, No, I found it, man. I it's fucking about, like, found it. Go to the farmers markets each week, so you're eating healthier food. It's those little like yeah. things, those little just direction changes. And you owe it to yourself, man. That's yeah. the thing. As soon as they step across that discomfort line of discomfort and that challenge and that vulnerability, then there's always a better person on the of you, a better yeah. version of you that you don't you didn't even knew existed when you yeah. get there. Love that. So let's talk about this world record surf because we're gonna get close to an hour soon, but I really want to talk about this surf. The idea is, yep, Ben, I want to do this world record surf. What was the world record prior to you? 30 hours and seven minutes. Must he smashed it. Yeah, smashed it. So then it. logistically, how long before the idea was the surf set up? You had to have big floodlights. Oh, yeah, we did a test the week before. That was sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was sick. Um, it all came together pretty pretty quickly. So the yeah. Chumpies got a – fuck, their, t- their team's amazing. Yeah, so how did the – how did Chumpies Foundation – Become the partner. Well, Ben has put it to the board yeah. and said, look, Blake's going to do this. Do you want to support it? Yeah. And then even one of the guys said, oh, yeah, yeah. The other week he's like, oh, I was just still imagining 50 of you, Blake's core crew cheering him on, but it's just turned into this huge thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, there was there was like was a lot of a lot of work went in behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I keep saying I would have. I would have done this on my own with a bunch of my mates supporting me just to get it with done. Torch on. But if if I could make even the slightest impact on mental health, and that's why I was going to do the run for yeah. in memory of my dad and, and and keep spreading the word. But yeah, it just kept growing and snowballing through it. So all of a sudden, I'm doing interviews on every news channel. every news channel over that leading into it, and that was where the I had so much anxiety for that because I'm not. I talk a lot, but I'm not that articulate yeah. or that doing great, very well, you know. But, <laughs> so there was that build up in like talk about mental health, that build up that self yeah, imposter syndrome, it, yeah. you know, going, is my message? And it was all about message. So every time I do something alone, did I say it right? Did the message come through? Like, you know, it's it's and you already knew it was bigger than me, mm. you know, and that was was important. Yeah. That I already knew it was and that was I was so anxious about making sure that hey, yeah, I'm doing something pretty cool, something no one's ever done before. Mm. But this is why I'm doing it. It's in memory of my dad, and it's 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 a well needed thing. I spend so much time with kids, mm. and I love kids, and I've got my own that I absolutely adore, and I care about all the kids that come through the surf school, the kids that I meet on elite camps, and, and coaching that I've met over the years. It's that I said earlier. It's about that empathetic, compassionate side of me that it's always been there. You know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about now the day you started at one a.m. on Thursday morning, if I remember correctly. Yeah. How was leading into that night? Did you sleep before? So it, this is probably the gnarliest thing and something that was really hard to deal with the, the whole surf. I didn't sleep from 4 a.m. on the Tuesday morning. So before Tuesday, I you didn't sleep out, on the Wednesday night either. Why? So this is something I was like, fuck. Like that yeah, anxiety I was talking about where I was built up for yeah. these interviews and getting the message right is shifting. It was like it was shifting into this positive excitement and, and you could sleep. feel it happening within me. Like. And like people are like, oh, you gotta have your good how you been sleeping? I'm like, I get up at four o'clock. And for most people, that doesn't you know, I go to bed at nine thirty after I wrestle my groms and go yeah. to bed at nine thirty, ten. There's no real super structure to it. Yeah. So I get five, five and a half hours of sleep, sometimes six most nights. Wow. And I get up at four o'clock. 
Um, so everyone's like, oh, you got to get more sleep. You've got to do all this. There's advice coming from everyone. I'm like, I'm going to do whatever my body yeah. feels, whatever I feel yeah. like, without putting that pressure on me to have this, to make a change a week, yeah. day out from the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, so, yeah, like I woke up at 4 o'clock normal thinking I'd go to bed that night as normal, but just this energy kind of shifted, like know what the forecast is hopefully going to be like, which it wasn't quite like. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, just this good energy, still bits and bits, putting the lights on the board, stickers, the board, my boys being excited, having the day off, checking the ways, making sure that they needed anyone needed help setting up. There yeah. was a lot to do yeah. and it was just getting bigger as it happened. You know, people were just more interested in it. Yeah. So that lot, my wife, Shelly from the Jumpy, um, one of my good mates, Laura, um, Jace, um, who else? Ben Rennie, my brother Ben. They were all just, man, they Doing did so it, yeah. much to get it to where it got to to have the impact it did. So it was amazing. So 1 a.m., first night, paddle out. What was the, what did you need to achieve to achieve the world record? It was like a certain amount of waves and a certain time. Yeah. Rate. So the marathon was like, you're not allowed, you, basically, um, you're not allowed to sit there for a sustained amount of time. Like you can't yeah, sit there for an hour and go having my rest, catching waves and just sitting in the water. It had to be, you know, paddling two from, before a wave every every ten minutes. Wow! So that was and it was the, the the rules were kind of not loose, but there's only been two people that attempted it before, yeah. and Guinness have never sanctioned them. Yeah. So they weren't sanctioned because of safety concerns, and they want to charge you twenty grand to be in the book and do all that, right? Yeah. So I was pretty upset when I got the news. Oh, after three months of the the team dealing with them, they said, "Oh, we've decided on review that it's due to safety concerns. We won't do, uh, we won't sanction your world record." And I'm like, "What?" with you forever and i was a bit devo going oh no, it doesn't really validate it but okay. filming it and being there and the support and the impact it has validates it, right? yeah exactly so i was like fuck you guinness and um and i actually spoke to joss enslin the dude that did the world record last time south african guy fucking legend nicest bloke he reached out to me and goes and this is the night before um hey man i just wanted to reach out to you and say look after your eyes goggles are a deal breaker and maintain your well-being and look after yourself two to three months after it. Wow. It's when I felt emotionally drained and shoulders still lethargic and fatigued. That's so cool. It was a legend. So I, and then I had a chat with him and um, I was like, yeah, did, you didn't wear goggles or anything? He's like, no, I, I did the edits because he's re- surfs pretty well and his yeah. edits look sick. Red Bull sponsored, he's ripping and all his yeah. mates are there. And then so he sent me through some proof like he had goggles on, looked like a dork like me, more sunscreen than you ever had on, wow. there's shit everywhere and just look cooked. Yeah. These edits look make looking like he's ripping. So he, he said he felt responsible to make sure I looked after myself. Yeah, yeah wow. so what a legend to reach That's out to so that. Cool. Good dude. So, and then so first morning you paddle out, one a.m. Lights are on. Paddle out. The surf's probably two, three foot bigger than I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. and that was really cons- you paddled out, right? Yeah, I paddled out at you five a.m. That first here. morning, it was solid yeah. and dark. People because- are like. You had the best conditions for it, like you couldn't see the waves like out the back. It was like a rip bowl dunny, but like it was hard in the morning. And what time did you paddle out? Five, five. So I was already been out there for four right. hours. I know, that's what I was thinking. And I, I was out the back for the first. I was so tired, and I was like, "He's been out there for two hours." I'd already, I'd been out the back for most of the morning, and it was just so dark out there, mate. It was so consistent. There was so many fucking waves. Like it wasn't just five foot. I'd call it five foot. Yeah, it was like four, the five big foot sets. For sure, definitely. And but really get like five, six wave sets. So the amount of duck dives I did was. Before beyond, the sun had even come beyond, up for day one. Like, how, in an hour, you were working pretty hard, yeah, right? Yeah, I was bucket. Yeah, and I and I end up, we calculated, I did about 350 to 370 duck dives before the sun came up. <sighs> on the first day. On so the first day. Four hours into 40. Yeah, and so that that was one of the hardest parts because it was frustration. It was like I was expecting to be out there with my best mates 
because part of the Catching a couple permit was like have some water safety. At night, you had your mates out yeah, there. Yeah, organised my mates yeah. to be there, but they'd paddle out and we'd just get ping-ponged like you did yeah. across the alley, over near the rock pools, up <laughs> near the wall. I was just going, man, this, this isn't that fun for anyone joining me. You know mm. what I mean? I thought I was, yeah, I was just going to have a hell yeah. time. Then the big jellyfish, that was a shit ton of jellyfish. Yeah. And then because it was bigger than expected, the lights when I was out the back, the pitch the behind the wave was so dark that yeah. your eyes just wouldn't adjust because it'd be so dark and then you'd turn around and paddle for a wave. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard and, and that was constant. I, I ended up running a wave on average every three minutes, 24 seconds for 40 hours and seven minutes. So wow. I was definitely working for it, especially in conditions like that. And every three, every three minutes? Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I caught a bunch when you were out there. So because this 40 hours can take a long time to get through if we go through every bit. Let's talk about that first sunrise. It was fucking beautiful. Was I was epic. down there. It was so nice. And then you saw, oh, the waves are actually quite nice. You the waves got good. Back and got, the waves good. So, yeah, that yeah, first part was definitely one of the hardest parts. And really? I'm like, really going to have to earn this, man. They're really was that hard because it. you're like, oh, shit, I've got to go all day today and then all night Just tonight already and then all day tomorrow. Already how I felt. Like my yeah, shoulders were cooked from a seven-hour surf and the sun wasn't even up. You know what I mean? So at that point, I've got 33 hours left. And that was kind of took me by surprise, Mentally, feeling that bad yeah. physically that early. Um, but then the waves got really good. Like, yeah, you just have a sick day. So yeah. And I was just thinking, so I was like, you know what? There's, it's t- if it was two foot shorey, I could nail this world record. I could catch a thousand waves, but I really earn it. Like, I'm proud of that fact that I, I surf properly. Yeah, like I surfed like, every wave to the end of it, and I, yeah, there was a few waves I took off close out to, like. to keep the yeah to keep moving. But yeah. I definitely. Yeah, you know, gave that. every wave I could as much as the wave was allowing me. Yeah, yeah. So that but was a big part of it, being authentic to what yeah. I said, you know. Mate, I rode one board, wore one weddy, and I easily could have slipped into some boardies on a 35-degree day. Yeah. That's what made it hard when the sun came out and was pumping that morning. Yeah. It was pumping. I was four or five foot, the odd sick left, and, yeah, it was. I had some fun there. Let's, let's go to fun. that Thursday night. So the Thursday night, they had like an event down the beach, yeah, with people like in a marquee to raise money and yeah. have dinner and stuff, yeah, while you're sitting out there surfing. Yeah. They had the cocktail dinner. There was what like was that experience like, watching everyone, knowing that everyone's- At that, at that stage, I was cooked, man, yeah, but that was good. probably about, um, what would it been, 18, 19 hours yeah. in when the sun was starting to set and it was it's a beautiful a afternoon, night, man. Yeah. It was a gorgeous day. Um, no, no, sorry, Thursday night. Thursday yeah. night, yeah, yeah, Thursday night. And then it was just this, uh, you could sense everyone on the beach. There was like so it's many people energy, swimming, yeah. so many people have, in the cocktail room. And it was it was just the sickest, sickest. Yeah. I wasn't paying attention to it, but you could feel the energy of the of everyone that down there, everyone was happy. There were so many people coming and sharing waves mm. with me. It got so busy. Like, you know, I was only meant to have one or two in the water with me. But there so was at a, night on that night, there was yeah. 10, 20, 30 people Way sometimes. more. There, really? there was close to 100 people in the water. What? And by that time, the swell was dropping, the tide went low, and it was a sucky little rip bank, and Everyone's it was dangerous, there. man, for a while there. So there's a, that would have probably there like was. I reckon it. you could easily say there was 100 people at the water. Was it hard place. for you as well, having like 100 people who were probably mates, like nah. not really wanting to like, were you interact with There was guys I didn't everyone? really know, and I, and I was like thinking, you know, these guys have an, an experience they've never had. I'm glad I can put that on for Well, them. that's what you're going to meet my friend Corey, who's probably going to walk through the door any second if Carol's been checking her phone. Um and he's like world champion wakeboarder and he came out and I'm going to show you a vlog actually that I made with Good Human Factor. It's on YouTube now that just my sister and all the people that brought me, like you can see the excitement that what you did brought them. And like, I can only imagine there's hundreds, thousands of people that came down to that beach over the 40 hours. Yeah. But yeah, it would have just been so cool. Let's talk about that next morning when the sun's coming back up and you, did that feel like you'd made it once the sun was coming up or were you like, holy shit, no. I, 
Because you broke the world no, record I, I still then. had so long to go. I was never going to get out with the world record. I had for 40 hours and I was doing yeah. that no matter what. So no you broke the world what. record for the sunrise on the Friday yeah. morning, yeah? And that's yeah. when all the news came down. You're yeah. allowed to come in and go to the toilet like once every hour or something, yeah? You could go to the toilet. I was, like, I was okay with that. Like you're allowed... The previous world record got five minutes every hour and he built some up at the start when he was feeling fine. And I was like, I'm coming in as minimum as possible. Yeah. So that ended up being the the doctor, my good mate Graham, and the paramedics that would tell me when I'd have to come in. Yeah. I didn't want to come in. That was one part I got so fucking frustrated. I was like swearing and going, I want to fucking surf. I want to get this done. (laughs) And I'm not like that. I don't. But I I was. Your emotions are. Man, I was was getting really frustrated with it. And without that, like without the support and then the experts there, yeah, I would have cooked myself. Man, I looked at it. You had every 30 minutes. Yeah, every 30 minutes. Lifeguards had food, water that they served me out there, paddling back out from a wave, come into the beach for the check. And after 20 hours, it's every hour I had to get checked. Yeah. And they had to check my pupils and and my vitals and all that stuff. Give me as much food as possible. And it was a horrible last 20 hours. I had the worst. I don't get heartburn. My throat was swollen. My tongue was swollen. Wow. Heartburn to my guts. I was in agony from that, let alone my neck and my shoulders. Yeah. Just but that, that in particular wasn't expected. I just thought, oh, you know, I'll yeah, get I'll through the food. That was just yeah. like, what's this? Couldn't get anything down. What's no. this? Yeah. And just, you know, the eyes too. The eyes hurt so much the whole time because I was duck diving so much the first time. So that's what your mate, the guy who did it before, warned you about, huh? The eyes. And I had the goggles it. on. and Also, you're wearing the, goggles towards Not in the night. In the in the day, I wear the goggles. I had to. I couldn't yeah. even – I could see. I won't say I was blind, but – so consistent. I had to hit the boys go, yeah, there's a lull and charge it when there was a lull because oh. it was still four or five foot during yeah. the day. And then that, my eyes just hurt really early on. All the pain came on a lot sooner than I thought. I'm like, I've done 10 hours first before, get to 10, 12, yeah. and I'll, you know, I'm going to have to push through. But from but, four hours in, just because of how hard the yeah, waves were, yeah. it wow. made me really earn it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to earn I'm gonna it. I'm going to do it. It's going to make me earn it. You know, so- this will be. Crazy. Dark, yeah. So, so the Friday morning, everyone comes down. That's when you break the official world record. Yeah, and the yeah. news are all on the beach and whatnot. Yeah. What um, yeah. What was that last day like? Trying to get through to six p.m. Like I was saying, there's a couple of cool things that happened all along the way. Like at five o'clock that morning, I rode my five hundredth wave. See. So the world record wasn't getting broken until seven, and the world record of the amount of waves was four hundred and thirty-six. So, so by way five more. o'clock, I'd already done way more. And that then, so that was a pretty cool moment when I came in. I was cooked, the obviously. Most, yeah, the most waves ever caught in a surf yeah. is the record you'd have as well. And, yeah. and I don't remember that being exciting. I was fucking yeah. that stage. And I came in and they're like, five hundred. like, cool. I didn't even consume it. But when I finished it and Lauren had these things written down, I was like, 500, wave at five, not even 501, 5 o'clock oh in the morning, God. 500 waves. I was like, that's pretty sick. That's sick. It's pretty sick. Most waves ever caught. That's and so then, cool. yeah, 7 o'clock world record. That was pretty sick. My this world drop. It's, all these things happen. Like, the swell dropped off enough for my little seven-year-old to paddle out, or eight-year-old to paddle out and sit with me as sick. as that time ticked over wow. out the back. So we've got some pretty cool images from that. It's amazing. Sick. And then on the way in, like, my wife surfs a fair bit. She loves it, but she only gets out once or twice yeah. a week. Normally pushing around. We split a peak. No, she, I went no. left. She went right. And there was heaps of people on the beach for us. So that was pretty cool too. Wow. The boys caught a wave in and then, yeah, that was that was pretty special, you know. But That's I still had 10 hours to go. So I did a couple of videos on the beach and just went, I'm back here, out, here we yeah. go. Here comes Hurt Town. And just held on till the end. What was it like coming into the beach? What was the, my, the least expected thing that kind of you experienced? Was it the heart? Well, I guess, I guess. Yeah, it was that. It was the state of mind I was in. You know, the, the the actual amazing, you know, the resilience I showed through the and the way I controlled it. You was know, the what I mean? mind just like I'm not quitting. So I'm like here until the end. Whatever. I knew, I, there was never a doubt. Yeah. Not from that. 
there was never doubt. That that sleep thought, like the way I think about it is like it was almost like the perfect state of mind that we, we were all aiming to to be as close to as possible mm-hmm. where we're having our thoughts and we only take on what's positive and effective in our lives. Like yeah. the thought of not sleeping for three days and still being in the water with five hours ago is would, would rattle. Yeah. I mean, normally it would rattle most people going, wow, that's testing your result. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't even affect me. That thought would come in and it'd simply just yeah, be yeah. the thought. Yeah pass on and then I just trusted the process like never before. I knew that how bad it was was exactly was where I was meant to be. Yeah. And that bring whatever you could have had an apocalypse and I would have I would have stayed out there. Stayed out there and done it and got to the end of that, you know. So I kept saying to me, you have to drag my body out. You literally would have that's why I was getting yeah. so frustrated coming in. Like I could be riding my ways. I gotta to get to the limits of what's possible, what I can do. Yeah. And it was that and it was that I trusted it so much. Like I and I had energy was coming at the right time. I would finish a wave, close my eyes and do my nose breathing. And normally in the water I teach to breathe through your mouth, obviously mm-hmm. a lot safer, but I know that I can slow my breath down, create that energy for the oxygen that I can absorb better by breathing slow mm-hmm. and paddle out the alley rip bowl, my favourite, with my eyes closed in the rip, mm-hmm. know that when I would open them that, that I, I knew that this little wedge would come and I'd do three cutties in a row and it'd be done. I, I, I was so present and immersed mm-hmm. in what was going on around me that I was taking everything else in subconsciously. Very, like, spiritual experience for you, kind I think of. That's, that's what well you must call it. Doing it in, everything was coming like, in. It's so beautiful. I yeah. wasn't thinking. I was just immersed in the in the situation because I was taking everything subconsciously. Yeah, because yeah. I now afterwards I'm piecing it together. Even still, mm. when I couldn't remember nothing of it, and then I'll see a photo, have a conversation with you or anyone that was involved in it, and I vividly remember to little splash on my face to. The exact tone in their voice to everything, exactly how it happened. Remember throwing you some wax, man. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like honestly, I'm not making up this. I know, lie. I, I remember it as well. Like it's so, yeah. Just I, because of the experience, I was like, this is something I'll always cherish to know that I was. In everyone felt connected, right? Like mm. that, that's what everyone on the beach. You look at these photos, and everyone's smiling. It's not even like you have to talk about a vibe. You look at these photos, and they light you up because. Mm. Everyone was there for a bigger cause than themselves. It wasn't yeah. about them. It was about not about me. It was about everyone being yeah. there together. It was, it was amazing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and and I was a big part of that, but it wasn't about me. Yeah. It was to be able to. That's what it created for the community. Oh, it's so special. It, I mean, the reach went everywhere. You could obviously feel it looking through a screen mm. with the reach it had, and yeah, people- crazy. And then. Finished the record, 40 hours, raised over $400,000 for the Chumpy Foundation. Like, mate, congratulations for starters. Like, so special. What does that mean to you to know that not only breaking the world record, inspiring your community, but then also close to half a million dollars to be able to run programs just like the ones that you do, speaking to your brother, there might be some opportunities for us to get to do some stuff together with that money to help some, you know what I mean, kids yeah. think a bit differently about mental health and, yeah, yeah, be inspired to push the limits and realize we are capable of so much more than quite often the school system tells us we are, our families tell us we are. It's, like, so important to see people do things like you've just done yeah. to show what's possible. I think it's influenced through experience. You know, the kids the kids, and, and you know, my generation, our generation that are older, how are we living by example and being more self-aware in ourselves, that's just um, leads, leading by example is what mm. it is and doing it because we want to do it and that's yeah. where we're going to have the effect ourselves. Yeah. But putting them in, in situations and getting influencing them through experience, not yeah. another, not another, not another like a lecture from a school teacher, someone like yourself mm. doing something cool and relatable. Yeah, it's just a bit Being different. out and actually having a bushwalk, getting fit because it's not just about looking good because it actually – 
is the massive part of you being mm. the best version of yourself, yeah. you know, and feeling mentally, mentally amazing. Yeah. So, so it's, it's get, it's, it's, that's what I want to do. I know now that I, I can have an impact on, on people and I'm pretty sick of seeing my weathered head. But if that means that it can inspire people to do shit they never would have done or dig themselves out of a hole, no matter what it be, then, then I have a responsibility that I'm going to, going to fulfill no, and, mate, and do that. You know, it's, it's, you're going to inspire so many continuing through. The work that you do, I'm sure there's probably on the horizon some other sort of crazy challenge or record that you're looking at doing, but I am conscious of time. It is, um, you've got your beautiful family up here on the Goldie. I'm sure your groms want to go surf, but <laughs> I just want to quickly touch on what was the 24 hours after like? Cause I already spoke to you about this, but I think the people listening are going to be blown away. It wasn't just a home at eight, eight, eight o'clock and sleep all day. Or, or no, I mean, up it, at 4 a.m. I was up day? at 4 a.m. the next day and then Lauren, Lauren was like, get back to bed. I don't remember. I remember just getting to the hospital and I had Did a drip. You in hospital I, the first night. Yeah, the first oh, yeah. night. I spent four hours in the hospital. Just had three drips, and then I can't remember. Besides waking up, got out of bed straight away, reacted, and Lauren's like, "Get, get back, back to bed. bed," and I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Oh my god, <laughs> it was sick. And that's why I said I just couldn't remember any of it. And then I saw a photo, and I'm like in tears for probably three, four days, in just just going, "Wow, man, yeah. like this is pretty powerful." And you know, and, and again. A, Everyone deserves a feel like that, you know. It's, oh, it's it. It's good, but mate, thank you so much for sharing all your story. I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm sure we're going to talk about it a bit at the Chigala, which is um really exciting. Excited as well to hopefully do some work together later sure. in the year. We've been chatting about doing some stuff together with some um, of the young surfers and the yeah young community of our surf industry which is super special. But then hopefully as well through the foundation, we can do some stuff with the snow community and just give some of them opportunities that we obviously had as young professional athletes that yeah. some others don't have which is so important to me and i'm sure you as well but i do finish every episode of good humans podcast with the same question i'm very excited to hear what you've got for this <laughs> but what does being a good human mean to blake johnson it means being proud of yourself first and foremost and looking after the people around you showing compassion and being empathetic and you know just realizing that everyone deserves to feel awesome absolutely love that man well thank you so much i'm going to leave in the show notes a link can you still donate to the world record sir? can yeah yeah i'll leave the link i've got a good human one actually um so that'll be in the show notes you can go donate to the world record surf it's phenomenal what you achieved but the why behind it is what really inspires me that it was in memory of your dad it was for the um chumpy foundation and it was you just pushing the limits to inspire not only your peers but also the whole community of cronulla and the world because of the reach that it ended yeah. up having so mate from the bottom of my heart, thanks for this chat. Thanks, thanks for buddy. Buddy, everything you've done. And yeah, thanks for jumping on Good Humans. Yeah, Thank you. You're the man. Sick. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.